There's a story that Queen Mary made regular visits to Scotland every summer and how on one occasion she was strolling in the countryside when suddenly the sky turned gray and dark clouds appeared. The queen stopped at a nearby house and asked if she might borrow an umbrella. She told the lady of the house she would send it back tomorrow. The lady was reluctant about lending a good umbrella to a complete stranger, so she grabbed an old one out of the attic. It was partially broken and had some holes in it, but she nevertheless gave it to the old lady. The next day, there was another knock on the door. This time, when she opened it, a man in gold braid stood with a big envelope in hand. The queen sent me and asked me to thank you for the umbrella, he said. For a moment, the woman stood motionless and then burst into tears. Oh, what an opportunity I missed that I didn't give her my best, she cried. We often miss out on life-changing encounters with Christ because we didn't recognize him. Jesus is saying, when you come and you help the poor and you help the immigrant and you help the fatherless and the oppressed and the homeless, you're not taking Jesus to them, you're coming to me. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. Would Jesus ever wear a disguise? And if so, what would his reason be? This week, Charles Tapp answers that question as he continues with the second part in this series, Going Beyond the Walls, by revealing Christ's secret identity with his message, Jesus in Disguise. In part one of our series, Going Beyond the Walls, The Power of the Serve, we examine what happens to God's people when for whatever the reason, they lose sight of one of the most powerful aspects of what it means to be a child of God. And that is the power that comes with one's ability to serve. For just as in the game of tennis, the ability to serve well can and in most cases does determine the outcome of the game, so it is with the church and our ability to serve and to serve well. For service is what we as believers are supposed to be about. But Jesus made it perfectly clear with two of his disciples when they were debating one day who should be on Jesus' right hand and, and who should be on the left when he came into his kingdom. And Jesus had to make it clear to them that greatness was not about being served, that greatness was about having the ability and the willingness to serve. For Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve, and I came to serve to the degree that I was willing to give my life for a ransom. So Jesus made it clear here that his focus was not on him and what he found pleasure in doing, but in his life, as we see throughout the Gospels, the focus was always on what pleased his father. As a matter of fact, in John's Gospel, Jesus says, it is my meat to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, that's where Jesus got his nourishment from. That's where he got his strength from in doing his father's will. 
And as we learned in our last message, this is where God's people have made their mistake. And this is why God gave the prophet Isaiah a vision so that he could show to them his displeasure with his people. Turn with me again to the book of Isaiah chapter one as we look at verses one to three. We looked at this on last week, but I want us to take another look at it again. Isaiah chapter one, verses one to verse three. Look at what God's word has to say. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Verse two, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have, what everybody? rebelled against me, verse three. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But God says, Israel does not know, my people do not consider. Again, the point that God was making was that even the heavens obey the laws that I have put in place. The stars are placed in the skies to shine at night, the earth is there and it turns on its own axis and it evolves around the sun and the sun always rises in the east and it always sets in the west and even a dumb ox knows its owner but when it comes to my own creatures that which have been made in my own image God says to his children Israel they're acting like they don't even know who I am but yet they're my children and what is striking as well as somewhat confusing is that Israel was extremely meticulous in their worship of God and observing the different rites and rituals which God himself had demanded. But the problem was that God's people viewed the service of God as the end and not the means to an end. And many of them, their hearts were not prepared for the greater service, which was the end. And if you read Isaiah chapter one, verses 12 to 17, God reminds them that the greater service to him does not take place in corporate worship. The greatest service that you and I can give to God does not take place behind the walls. The greatest service that we can give God is not in the songs that we sing or the sermons that we preach, but the greatest service that we as children of God can return and give to our Father is that which takes place beyond the walls. For the greatest service takes place in the lives of the fatherless in the lives of the widows, in the lives of those who are oppressed, in the lives of those who are in need of and searching for justice. And when you read further down in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 58, it almost comes to a crescendo of God's displeasure. Let's turn there quickly. Isaiah 58 verses six to verse eight. Look at what God's word says. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, 
to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Verse 8, then God says, if you do that, your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord then shall be your rear God. And as I said on last week, God is basically saying, when you serve me in this way, I, your father, your God, will have your back. And God's people couldn't understand for the life of them why it appeared as though God was ignoring their worship. They prayed and they prayed and God wouldn't respond. They fasted and they fasted and still no response from heaven. They couldn't understand why their worship was falling on deaf ears. And through the prophet Isaiah, God had to make it clear to them that their worship of him was hollow. And the reason why it was hollow, because it had not transformed their lives. In other words, they were observing all of these spiritual disciplines as a way to gain God's blessing, while all the while, those who were hungry beyond the walls continued to be hungry. Those who were in poverty beyond the walls continued to live in poverty. Those who were homeless beyond the walls continued to live on the street. And God is saying, you're coming to my house to serve me, but you've missed the mark of what true service is. To make it plain, they were fasting in the hopes of receiving a quid pro quo. Well, God, if we do this, then maybe you'll give us what we want. And please don't miss this today. It's easy to deny oneself of food for a day. You can fast for a day because you know there's food in the cupboard. But what I hear God saying to us today is, how about you fast by giving your food to somebody else? That's a little different. And here's where we have missed the mark. For far too long, our worship to God has been confined behind the walls and it has failed to produce in our hearts the transformation that is needed to see beyond our selfish needs, to acknowledge and to seek to provide for the needs of others. Even in our worship of God, corporately, many times it's not even about God. It's about us. Well, this is the kind of worship I want. Well, no, 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 no. I want this kind of worship. And I can imagine God on his throne, sitting there looking at us, saying to himself, they don't get it. They think that they're giving service to me and all they're doing is trying to serve themselves even in the worship of me. We're so consumed as a culture today. We're consumed with everything. We're even consumed in our worship. 
We're consumed with worship. We're consumed by worship. And the cry continues to go out from God to his people for two things. God is asking of his people today, where is the justice? And where is the righteousness? Look at the book of Amos chapter 5, this well-known passage, verses 20 to verse 24, Amos chapter 5. Look at what it says. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? God says, listen to this, I hate, I despise your feast days. And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. This is God speaking. For I will not hear the melody of your string instruments. But God is saying, this is what I want. Let justice run down like what? Water and righteousness like a mighty stream. It is interesting that God calls here for both justice as well as righteousness. Justice in the Hebrew text has as its root meaning the idea of fairness, the idea of equity, and it's usually used in the social context of how we treat the underprivileged, how we treat the poor, how we treat the oppressed, how we treat the homeless, how we treat the immigrants. By the way, Jesus was an immigrant. And God makes it clear that for his people to allow these groups to suffer would not only be considered as benign neglect, but an act of injustice. And here's where the righteousness comes into play. For normally when we hear the word righteousness, we tend to think of things like purity and morality and cleanliness and reverence and all the rest. But in the Old Testament, the word righteousness means something different. It means living in right relationship. It means treating everyone with fairness, generosity, and equity. And please don't miss this. For if there was more righteous living in our world today, there would be very little need for justice. For justice is only needed when we're not living righteously. And God says you're not living righteously. You're not looking out for the needs of others. So they need justice. I don't want your worship. I want justice. I want you to treat people the way they should be treated. And I want your personal righteousness. Righteousness is living right. Justice is doing right by others. And that's what God wants from us. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, the Lord says to the prophet, I am the Lord who exercises kindness and social justice on the earth. For in these things I delight. And God's issue with his people in the Old Testament times is the same issue that God is having with his people today. He's saying, I, you spent all this time in worship, 
with me, but it has not helped you to live righteously. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Jesus in Disguise. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Hi, this is Pastor Charles Tapp with Simple Truths for Life. As many of you know, nearly two years ago, I responded to God's call to leave Sligo Church as a senior pastor to serve in another area of ministry. But on Saturday, February the 25th, I'll be returning to the Sligo pulpit with a very timely message titled, A Crisis of Faith. You know, for the past several years, our world has encountered one major crisis after another with no apparent reprieve in sight. But there's another crisis on the horizon and is taking place in the hearts of many believers. It is the greatest crisis of all, a crisis of faith. For many of us, the recent events in our world have shaken our faith to its very core. But God has a word of hope for his people. So join us on Saturday, February the 25th at 11 a.m. at Sligo Church. This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tepp reveals the secret identity of Christ by uncovering what is most important to him. As he continues with the rest of his message, Jesus in disguise. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 to verse 40, Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, um, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Look at Jesus' response in verse 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. As I always say, context is everything. So when you read verses 31 to 34 of Matthew 25, we see here Jesus unfolds this parable-like lesson before his disciples of when the Son of Man shall judge the nations. And, and he pictures for them the scene of a shepherd who is separating his sheep, those who know his voice, from the goats, those representing who don't know his voice. And the Bible says Jesus said that he put the sheep, those who know his voice, to the right of him, and the goats, those who don't obey his voice, to the left of him. And the one to whom Jesus is speaking here first is those who he puts on the right. So he says to those on the right, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you brought me in. I was in prison and sick and you came to visit me. And when questioned as to when they did all these things, 
Jesus makes one of the most important declarations for anyone who bears the name Christian. Jesus says, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Now, I've read that a million times, and I'm sure you have as well. But for the last couple of weeks, this has been tugging at my soul. When you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. And I always thought that when you and I would go out and and help the needy and and help the homeless and help the oppressed and, and help the poor, we were always told that that was our way of taking Jesus to them. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, when you come and you help the poor and you help the immigrant and you help the fatherless and the oppressed and the homeless, you're not taking Jesus to them, you're coming to me. For when you come to the homeless, that's me. When you come to the oppressed, that's me. I'm Jesus in disguise. And every time we see a homeless person and we ignore them, we're ignoring Jesus. This is not metaphorical speaking here. Jesus, for some reason, aligns himself with the poor, maybe because he was poor. He aligns himself with the immigrant. Mm, Maybe it's because Jesus was an immigrant. He aligns himself with the homeless. Could it be because Jesus was homeless? Jesus aligned himself with the oppressed. Hmm, could it be because Jesus was oppressed? So Jesus says, when you ignore them, you're ignoring me. I'm just in disguise. I'm incognito. And there's only one reason why people go incognito, is to conceal who they are. When our children were younger, we lived in New York and I was pastoring in New York. Thursday was our family day and I would take my kids out especially during the summertime, and we spent the whole day together and we would go to the mall. And, and you know, when kids are small, you can do the smallest things and it is so exciting to them to go to the mall and buy nothing. <laughs> Those days are gone. But we could go to the mall and buy nothing. Maybe get an ice cream cone. I'll never forget this one day, we were sitting there eating our ice cream cones and I love chocolate ice cream. Seen her eating our ice cream cones, and I see a member walk by. This is my family day. And they sat right beside me, but they did not recognize me. Because on family day, I would go out incognito. My blue jeans, my baseball cap, my shades, They sat right beside me and didn't know who I was. Jesus says, you're sitting right beside me and you don't know it's me. You see the hungry, that's me. You see the oppressed, that's me. When you ignore them, you're ignoring me. You think you're doing something good by your service to me here. No, what counts in the end is the service we give God beyond the walls of this church. 
Why did Jesus go incognito? Why would Jesus wear disguise? Could it be that he was testing our righteousness? Could it be he wants to see whether we will live righteously with others, whether we would treat them fairly, treat them equitably? How many times, and we're all guilty of this, have we walked by someone in need and we walk to the other side of the street? Jesus says, that's me. You see the homeless person on the street, Jesus said, uh, that's me. I'm just incognito. I'm Jesus in disguise. Some people read this passage and they think, oh, Jesus is talking about salvation by works. No, he's not. He's talking about fruit of salvation. In other words, Jesus said, if you're really righteous, if coming here on a regular basis, praising me, worshiping me, is supposed to make you righteous, then I should see some fruit of that righteousness. How many sermons have you heard? How many sermons have I preached in the last 40 years? And I have all of them, by the way, even the bad ones. And I'm all boxed up in the attic, in the garage, in the house. God wants to know, has your worship of me really made a difference in your life? Are you treating people the way they really need to be treated? Not as a way to receive salvation, but because you are saved. And didn't Jesus say by their fruit, you will know them? So how does Jesus distinguish between who's on the right and who's on the left? Those who see Jesus in disguise and they come to his aid. But what I love about this is they don't even know it's Jesus. They say, well, when did we do that? When did we see you homeless? When did we see you in prison and visit you? We didn't see you, Jesus, and it hit me this morning. They didn't see Jesus because they weren't looking for Jesus. They were just looking to live out their righteousness. If they had known it was Jesus, they would have stopped because many of us only do things to impress God anyway. But they didn't know it was Jesus, but they were just living out their righteousness. Has our worship of God made us righteous? Has it made us consider what the true service is that God desires of you and me? And I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor, I can't change the world. I can only do that much. Look at this quote by Mother Teresa. Look at what she says. Prayer is what? Prayer in action is love. We're praying, but are we acting? Prayer in action is love, and love in action is what? Service. We say we love God, but the only service we want is this. Try to give, she says, unconditionally, whatever a person needs in the moment. The point is to do what? Something however small, and, and show you care through your actions by giving your time. She goes on to say, we are all God's children, so it is important to share his gifts. And I love this next part. Do not worry about why problems exist in the world. Just respond to people's needs. We can't fix all the problems. Just respond to the needs. 
We feel what we are doing is just a drop in the ocean, she says, but that ocean would be less without that drop. If we all just did something, you know, you see a dollar on the street and you pick it up, oh, that's just a dollar. But what if everybody here dropped a dollar on the street in the same place? We'd all be running to that place, wouldn't we? Oh, yes. Little becomes much. And God is calling his people today, not just the church corporately. He's talking to us individually. Has your worship transformed your heart? Does your worship of me make a difference in the lives of other people? Are you only concerned about worship in the context of getting what you want when you want it? And God's response to that is you can keep your songs You can keep your fasting. Well, the fasting that I want is when you stop eating and give your bread to somebody else. That's going beyond the walls. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Jesus in Disguise. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts, and now also on Spotify, or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. We're to use our time, our talents, our treasure, simply because there's a need. Next week, we hope you can listen in again as Charles Tepp continues with the third part in this series, Going Beyond the Walls, with his message, No Strings Attached. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.